See, the devil always wants us to be paying attention to something else. That's his whole game. See, as I told you before, he can't change the truth. He just wants us to change our perspective. So he can lie, but he can't change what the facts actually are. So as long as we're focusing on the truth, on what's right, on what's holy, we're going to be fine. So you don't worry about buzzing and sounds and echoes and whatever else. Because Jesus is still Lord. And he's still sitting on the throne. And there is something that he wants to say to us today. So Father, we bow our hearts and minds. We submit to the authority of the word and your spirit, O oh God. And we're asking, Lord, that you would speak today. Lord, for people can't fix this. No man, no woman has the things that is going to change lives. But you, Lord Jesus, speaking through your spirit to the hearts of your people, that's what will make a difference. So, Lord, get this man out of the way, Lord, so that you can have your way, so that you could speak, so that your message comes across clearly, O oh God. So, Lord... This moment, we bind everything else, every distraction, everything that would stand in the way of us being able to hear from you today. Teach us, grow us, mature us so that your name will be glorified here on the earth. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You, you know, the, the Lord has just been pushing me differently. See, because here's the thing. All of this formal stuff doesn't matter. All of the, the traditions and stuff, that they're nice, and they keep us sort of on track. But if that's all that is, then that's all that it is. That doesn't mean anything. We got to go for something more. We got to go for something more. Now, we know that this is Resurrection Sunday, but do you stop? Look, look, once a year, the world makes a big deal about it. We should make a big deal about it every single day. But do you think about what happened? Jesus had a week. What a week. What a week. And then for three days, he stayed in the grave. Because we know that they, they lied, manipulated. They, they, it was an illegal trial illegal trial with false witnesses that accused him of stuff he did not do and then they killed him and as our minister jack said well wait they didn't actually kill him he just died they nailed him to a cross but he decided when he was going to die he decided when he was going to give up the ghost and for all those that were watching they thought that was it the women that loved him prepared his body. And they, they, those, those that loved him asked for him to be taken down from the cross and put into the tomb. But they thought that was it. So on Sunday morning, because everything was rushed, they didn't get a chance. So the women came back to the tomb to finish preparing the body. And they were concerned about who was going to roll away the stone. But when they got there, the stone was gone. They was looking and where is our Savior? So they go back and tell the men, and the men, of course, didn't believe the women. <laughs> so they came running and found it just as they said. The grave clothes folded on the side, the, the thing on the side, and he's not here. So they walked away saying, but he's not there. 
But as we just studied, he told them, and he told them again, this is what's going to happen. But that whole raise to life thing, they must have thought he was speaking another parable. They they couldn't imagine that he actually literally meant he was going to come back out of the grave in three days. So when they, it's like, oh, wait, he he came out, what? He, He came out the grave. So is that what he was talking about? That he literally will come back from the grave? But then they saw Jesus. Then they saw Jesus. If you didn't know, the two things that actually changed the disciples from those confused men that didn't really understand much was the resurrection and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Once they saw the risen Christ, then they understood. Oh, wait, we we thought we, we said he was the Messiah. We knew he was the son of God, but oh, he got power over death. That's a whole nother thing. That whole raising Lazarus from the grave was was one thing because God the father answered his prayer, brought Lazarus out. But wait, wait, The, the power that raised Jesus from the grave didn't come from outside. It came from inside. There was nobody that had to pray for him to come out. He just rose from the grave. So now they understand that this. Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. And every time we come together on Resurrection Sunday, this is what we're celebrating. Because, you know, there's a bunch of us crazy folk that actually believe that there a man was in the grave for three days and came back out. Now, now, I don't look all you church folk is like, yeah, yeah, of course, that's what happened. But can you imagine somebody who do not believe in Jesus and you told them that story? It's like, <laughs> something is not right there if they actually believe that. But we who are the children of the living God, whether it makes sense to us or not, we know. We know that this happened. And it's not something that we've made up in our mind, but there's something that's within us that actually testifies to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, died on the cross and rose bodily from the grave. Something inside of us says that is absolutely true. How do you know? Inside me says it's so. Well, you can't prove it. I don't need to. I don't need to debate with you whether Jesus came back from the grave or not. You cannot believe, but if you wrong, (laughs) another sermon for a different day. But from the first century A.D. until now, the revelation of the resurrection has been changing lives. The apostles were martyred because of the gospel. Even Paul, who was the prosecutor, he became the proclaimer because he met the risen savior. So I want to pick up a little bit on Paul's life. And during his second missionary trip to Athens. Now, you know, the Greeks in Athens, they, they were a bunch of smarty arties. You know, they, that, that's what they did. They sent around and talked about what the meaning of life was. They had their gods and their idols. And then you have Paul shows up with his four PhDs and his belief in Jesus. (laughs) So they sent the right man to the right people. Acts 17, starting at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, 
he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. See, you had to see this about Paul's personality. He going to keep talking. Even when there was times when he probably should have just chilled. He didn't. He just going to keep <laughs> day by day, whoever was around. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Arapachus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. And we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. That's what they did in Athens. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Hmm. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in empty temples by human hands. And he is served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries on their lands. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of, you, some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them, Dionysus, a member of the Apocalypse, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. See, when Paul Explain to them that you guys are looking for gods, but you're looking for gods in idols. And if we are actually God's offspring, how can an idol, something made of wood, something of gold, be God if we are his offspring? So I'm going to make it clear for you that there is one true God who made everything and that and through the one whom he appointed will be the one that judges everything, not your little idol that's sitting on the shelf. And how did he know? How did he prove that that man was the man? He raised him from the dead. So it's the revelation of the resurrection that made the difference. 
And the same thing that happened then is what happens now. Some of them said, ah, that's nonsense. And then some of them said, huh, that's interesting. Maybe we'll get back to that after when I finished. We'll listen to it when we have some more time. And then there was others who became followers. So what I want to leave with you today, for those who are willing to accept, the revelation reveals that life comes from death. There's a new life. And that new life leads to real living. And then real living is what actually brings us to victory. So let's start with the life comes from death. Let's get this off the table. Death is a fact of life. Death is a fact of life. If you think you're just going to be here forever, you're not. If Jesus doesn't come back before that appointed time, they will be saying ashes to ashes, dust to dust over you. Now, and too many people are worried about it. Too many people are scared about it. But it's a fact of life. We got to stop being so concerned about when I'm going to die. Eat healthy. Take care of yourself. Listen to your doctor if your doctor's not crazy. Some of them, you can't listen to them. Find a new one. But listen to your doctor. Take care of yourself. Don't, don't keep eating potato chips when you have high cholesterol. Don't keep putting salt on your fries when you got high blood pressure. <laughs> a, a different subject for a different day. Amen. Amen. So nothing on earth lives forever. And trying to avoid that reality, all it's going to do is stress you out, make you upset. That's, that's all it's going to do. Refusing to accept it brings you into a place of deception. Oh, no, 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 no. Somebody who you love is going to pass. Somebody who you love is going to die. And refusing to accept that. I'm, I know Mother Allen she, something happened and she was upset and she said, well, I'm not going to be here all uh, forever. I said, yeah, mom, we know that, but don't nobody want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Nobody want to hear your mother talking about I ain't going to be here forever. Right. Right. I know it, but you don't have to say it. Right. <laughs> so you accept these things. You don't be mad about these things, but we don't dwell on the fact that death is a part of life. See, What I found in this study, that death is an event. It's something that happens. It's a result. It's not the end. Yeah, keep that in mind. It's just an event. Death happens, but then there's still something else. The end is the final outcome. So from what we understand, death, people that say you die and then you're just gone. Well, I hope they're right for them. Because if they're wrong, they're going to have to deal with what comes after. Because after death, then you've got to face the end. And what will your end be? What will your end be? Physical death shows us one thing. But then we look at the spiritual death, like with Adam and Eve. You know we all died when Adam and Eve messed up, right? All of us died spiritually. 
And for everybody that's like, well, why should I have to pay the price for Adam and Eve? It's like, because you just as bad as Adam and Eve. We are all just as bad as Adam and Eve. I wouldn't have done that. Yes, you would have. You would have done something. Of course you would have. What you do yesterday? What you do this morning? Don't act like you wouldn't have done something. God gave them one rule and they couldn't get that right. So he gave his nation 10 rules. They couldn't get that. Oh, Lord. And the church gave you. I don't know how many rules the church gave us. And we barely get any of those right. So the idea that we are not spiritually dead, that's a fallacy. Before Christ, no, you're not going to do the right thing. I'll get to that later. What I want you to see is that there's a natural side and there's a spiritual side. See, the the natural side, we can see how it goes. The spiritual side might be a little harder for us to understand. But when we see who Christ is, when we see the revelation of the resurrection, we understand that there's something more than just what the physical presents to us. See, when the flesh dies, what's left is the eternal. When the flesh dies, this temporary part, when that ends, then what's left over is what will go into eternity. That's what we're dealing with. See, so many don't want to die. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But all of us is working hard not to die. Well, some of us working a little harder than others. But <laughs> nobody, nobody is rushing the process. Not nobody I know that's rushing the process. But here's the thing. Sometimes you need to just go ahead and die. Just let it die. If you want the spiritual to remain, then the flesh is what has to die. So every time we study something and it's like, Lord, how can we do that? Lord, I don't want to do that. Oh, Lord, that's too hard to do that. Just let it die. Let it die. Some things that the Lord told us to stop doing, you will feel like you're going to die to stop doing it. But let it die. Because the good news is what will remain is, will be eternal. This temporary thing that you let go of, what will remain will be eternal. See, because with God, he always brings new life. With God, whatever it was won't be as good as what it will be. When we have God involved in it, even though the thing dies, the new life will be so much better than the life that you let go of. You know, some. Oh, God. Yes, Lord, I'm trying to move. on. Some folk are in situations that you fighting to keep alive and you should just let it die. Just let it die. Because the new life will be so much better than the old life. See, because Christ was powerful before the resurrection. After the resurrection, he was able to step through doors. We, you thought he was doing stuff before the resurrection. After where he come from? So this new life that he was living had properties that the old life could not compare to. When they were standing there with him and he rose up, it's like, whoa, he didn't do that before. We saw him walk on water, but we never saw him rise up in the air. 
So why are you holding on to that old stuff still? See, because from death comes new life. (laughs) Jesus. And look, that new life is based on what is real. See, the the old life, the one that's connected to the death, is based on whatever you might have made up in your mind. Whatever your flesh was telling you, that's what it is. But this new life is based on the things that God said. This new life finds its strength in whatever God has proclaimed in your life. See, some of you have heard from God and God has told you some things. But the reason why you can't grab hold of the new life is because you're still trying to breathe life into the one that should be dead. Because there's a process. That thing has to die if you want to live this new life. You can't keep having this thing alive and live the new life. You're still living the old life. you got to let the old life die so that the new life can take over. Now, now, now understand this. I'm talking about a God-honoring life. Not a life of rules and regulations. I'm talking about a God-honoring life. See, because the old life could be rules and regulations. You could be as religious as the best of them. You got your hair going the right way. You wearing the right kind of suit. Got your shoes shine exactly right. Ooh, Lord Jesus. You know how to and say and do. You, you can do all of that. And still be living the dead life. Not the God-honoring life. See, and the God-honoring life is your best life. But it doesn't come until you die. Oh, Lord. Pastor, this is a resurrection. Why you keep talking about death? I'm going to get to the good part. Hold on. Hold on. See, in this new life, it's not my emotions that's making the decisions. It's the spirit of God that's making the decisions. In my old life, the part that needed to die is like whatever I felt. Somebody need to say amen. You know, it wasn't just what I felt. It was what you felt, too. And my, what, what I felt, what I wanted, what I liked, what I desired, that was the thing that made all the difference. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's a shame y'all don't want to tell the truth this morning. <laughs> See, because that new life that we're talking about, that new life requires your authentic self. Yeah, I know that's a buzzword in this. (laughs) But your authentic self is your real self. Your authentic self is the self that God knows you are. (laughs) Your authentic self is the self where your ego has died. Hmm. See, because ego is just pretense. Ego is just what I think and what I feel about myself, and I expect everybody else to think and feel that too. That's my ego. But my authentic self, the person that God has made me to be, is the one who I am what I am. I did what I did. I said what I said. (laughs) We, We don't have excuses or idols. See, when you, your authentic self, you, you can look at what God says I'm supposed to be and then look at who you are and say, there's something wrong with me. There is something wrong with me. I am not doing the things that God said I'm supposed to do. I am not thinking the way God said I'm supposed to think. There's something wrong with me. 
when you're your authentic self. You don't need excuses because this is who I am. This is what I did. Now, believe it or not, that's what the new life does for you. See, the old life, you make up excuses. You think about, oh, it was because, you know, but what had happened was. And then when that don't work, it's like, well, why are you asking me? Then you get mad. Then you throwing all the defenses and throwing all that stuff to pretend you something you're not. But. The, the new life doesn't need any of those things. You're a sinner. Oh, Lord, you don't even know. <laughs> You've done wrong. It's like, <laughs> and some of I ain't even get caught for. <laughs> but God knows. And he let that part die. And then he brought me to new life. A life that doesn't have to hold on to those things. The life that doesn't care about those things. A life that's saying, I want to do what God says and I want to be who God wants me to be. See, I don't need excuses and I don't need idols. I don't need no fake gods. (laughs) See, that old life, we all had fake gods. We all had fake gods. Don't, don't act like you didn't. You, you did. You did. We all had an idol. Something that it made us happy mm-hmm. or it made us sad. <laughs> we, we lived for it. We died for it. Something that we felt like that about. Ah, Jesus. I won't get into details, but y'all know what I'm talking about. That thing that controlled your thinking. That controlled your emotion. The thing you invested in because in keeping that thing, it kept you feeling good about yourself and your life. Well, when you live in your new life, you don't need that. You don't need that. You got God. You don't need that. You know, as I was thinking about this, you know, some people, if they don't drive a particular kind of car, They feel like their life is falling apart. So they will do whatever they need to drive that particular kind of car. Some people can't be without someone else. So they will compromise all of their values to be with somebody. Some people, some people will get stuck doing stuff they don't want to do because that's the expectation of everybody else around them. Oh, Lord Jesus. But in the new life, we wear what we want to wear. We drive what we want to drive. Look, and I might want it, but I ain't going to be scraping together pennies for gas. So if I can't put, put, afford to put gas in it, then it's just going to stay in the storeroom. I'm going to get the one that I could drive and put gas in it and eat. That's what I'm going to do. Because in my new life, I don't have to worry about all of that stuff. We don't have to feel the pressure of those things. And it's like, I'm going to get the career where I feel satisfied. Not the career that I just need to monetize. I want to get the career that's going to mean something to me. That's going to give life to my life. That I'm going to contribute something. That's the one I'm going after. 
I, I don't have to do this because that's what's going to give me the most amount of money. Now, if doing what you do give you a lot of money, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can make the money and sleep at night, hallelujah. That's what we're talking about. I want See, and I, I'm telling all the young people, I want you to be blessed. I want you to make crazy money, like oh, not just a little bit, not just enough, abundant money. I want you to make all. See, I'm not one telling you about poverty. I'm not telling you live in poverty. Let's get that straight. No. <laughs> make as much money as you can. As long as you can still serve God and sleep at night. Mm. See, this this new life actually is a life that actually has meaning. It actually has meaning. If, if someone was to ask you the question, are you just living day by day? Is your life actually heading somewhere? It, is, it doesn't make a difference what you're doing. And this is a question I used to ask the boys that I worked with. If someone was to write your eulogy today, what would they have to say? What would they have to say? If someone was to speak of your life today, what would they have to say? Would it be something that you could close your eyes to and say, amen? Or would it be like, hmm? Mm. And, and you know, don't make the preacher lie. There's a lot of preachers have been in that position where they had to lie because you didn't want to talk bad about somebody. But if you live in the new life, the life that you would have been ashamed of died. That's what the resurrection does for you. Makes you realize that there's a life that could die. And then you could have a new life. And, you know, that new life brings you into real living. You have a focus. You have a foundation. And you have fortitude. See, when you're living a real life, that new life brings you into a place where it's like, I'm not all over the place. I'm not just responding to everything that happens in the world. I'm actually focused on something. I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm trying to get somewhere. My life is not just a series of events that happen, but is actually focused and designed and moving in some place. See, when you're living that real life, because the new life brings you to real life, the real life that you're looking at is a life that does something. You don't just get up every day. You don't just go to work every day. You don't just perform tasks every day. You're actually moving towards a goal that makes a difference to you. Too many people are just living day by day. Just day by day. See, because that real life, not only does it have the focus, but it has a foundation. See, if, if you've lived for a little while, you realize you're going to get rocked at one point. As they used to say in the day, you get hit with a two-piece. Bah, bah. <laughs> and, you know, if you wasn't prepared for it, it might take you a minute to get yourself back together. But when you live in a real life, you have a foundation. You always have some place that you come back 
to, some place where you stand. So when life starts throwing stuff at you, you get hit with stuff, you come back to the place where I once was blind, but now I see. You once you get to that place where that's who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. So no matter what's coming at me, no matter how I'm getting hit, I'm not going to be the way that I was before. I'm not going to respond the way that I was before. I'm not going to get lost in the darkness that I was. I have a foundation because I'm living a real life. And with that foundation, you actually have fortitude also. It's all right. Come on. We just going to keep going. We just going to keep, we just go, you know how it is. We just going to keep going. We don't give up. We don't lay down. We don't throw up our hands. We just keep going. Because when you're living that real life, when you know that this is the new life, when the old stuff has dead, there's no reason for you to give up because you've got unlimited power. There's always a resource that you can draw on that keeps you strong and keeps you going forward. No matter what's happening, you don't have to give up. You can just keep going through. Fortitude from forte, power, strength. Hallelujah. So those of you that are feeling weak and tired, like I've got nothing, you you got to tap into the new life. Because that new life is going to bring you to real life. And the real life brings you that fortitude so that you can keep going. Because you know when there's something that you really want, you ain't giving up. You ain't going to give You're going to keep going. You'll be passed out before you give up. You're just going to keep pushing until the thing happens because it matters to you. Ah, God. See, and that's why when death brings you new life and the new life brings you real living, then the real living is what actually brings you to victory. Romans 8, 36 through 37 says, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, or any other powers will be able to separate us. Look, do, do you realize that, that that new life and the real living is so that you can win? And how many people want to win? Oh, that was weak, man. We was born again to win. When you became a child of the living God, he did that so that you win. That look, no matter what it is that we face, we still, mm, we still win. We have victory over all things. We live above the negativity. See, when we see all of this stuff that's going on, when we're actually living that real life that the Lord had given us, we live in a place of victory. We can see the nonsense. We can hear the lies. We can see the darkness and not get caught up in it because we're living that life that was revealed to us through the resurrection. Even though you might be facing death, even though you might be going through, you know that you are still a child of the living God. And at the end of the thing, there is victory for you. On the other side, of the trouble. There's victory for you. We live a life of victory because we are children of the living God. When we're talking about living that life of victory, see, because when you live in that real life, you reflect the Savior's glory. Have you been the one in the situation where everybody going crazy and you're like, oh man, everybody's really upset. 
Wow, they, they, they tripping. And then you're like, you don't need to trip. It's all right. This is what we got to do. But we don't like that. Yeah, we don't like it. Okay. Sometimes stuff happens you ain't going to like. <laughs> People going to do stuff you don't like. Guess what? The world still turns. You're still a child of the living God. Jesus is still on the throne. You still have the victory. He's still sovereign God. He's still going to work it together for your good. It doesn't matter because something is happening that you don't like. Once you're living in victory, that's because you're living a real life. That none of that stuff makes a difference. You get deaf to the noise. Because all it becomes is just noise. It's like, that's jibber-jabber. That's jibber-jabber. That's jibber-jabber. Oh, wait, there's something that's important. Okay, that's it. Now we go back. That's how we live. We don't live slave to every news article. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Every time somebody else says something else, you upset. When we're living that real, our real life and we're being who God wants us to be, you don't have to be upset. You just stop listening. But pastor... They making our lives worse. They can't do anything to you that your God doesn't allow to happen. They can't make you do anything that God don't allow them to make you do. You don't have to live a slave to everybody else's opinions, thoughts, and feelings about anything. What did God tell you to do? Do that. Trust God. Move forward. And you will be living a life that's in victory. So much trouble and problems people are having. Well, should I do this? Shouldn't I do that? Can I do this? Shouldn't I? What did God tell you to do? Do the thing that God told you to do and you will be living in victory. Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Do the thing that God told you to do and you'll be living in victory. Well, I can't decide. Then that means there's a part of you that still need to die. If you caught up in that, then there's a part that still need to die. And Jesus showed us how. Give up the ghost. Just give up the ghost. Bow your heads. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Here it is, God. Here it is, God. I refuse to fight about it any longer. I refuse to be tormented about it any longer. I refuse to go back and forth about this any longer. I refuse to do it. Lord, my life is in your hands. Period. And whatever you're going to do, God, you're going to do. And it's going to be all right with me. Whatever it is. See, because as long as you keep fighting with, Lord, I'm, I'm saying you can do whatever you want to do, but you know I really want you to do this. <laughs> when I say you can do whatever you want to do, what I really mean you can do what I want you to do. How do you know that if you're stuck there? It's because you're not happy unless you're going to get what you want. If you can be okay not getting what you want, then you've really, into thy hands, I've committed my spirit. When you stop being mad at the thought of it not going, you oh. Mm. The revelation of the resurrection lets us know you can go through the worst of things and still come out all right. See, when you're actually living in in victory, you're going to receive a reward. Now, people like, I don't want a reward. I just want to be with the Savior. Well, he giving out crowns. I want one. If he, I, I, it's not like I told him I'm going to follow you so I could get a crown. But if you giving out crowns for people that follow you, I would like one. Yes, I would like one. I would like one. 
Say, well, you only get a crown if you go, okay, well, Lord, if you say it, those that do, that please you in this way will get a crown, then I'm going to work towards that. Because if there is actually a reward for doing a particular thing, why wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you want it? It's like I would do it without the reward. But since there is a reward, why wouldn't you claim the reward? I, I don't I don't need that. I don't need that. Well, give me yours. then. <laughs> because that's all just ego and fake pride. You want that reward. Why not? Jesus is giving it out. Why wouldn't you want something Jesus wants to give you? make no sense when you live in the life of victory you keep that in mind that Lord when I see you I'm going to bring you my gifts my talents the work that I've done when I see you Jesus that that's what this whole life is about this new life I have is all about pleasing the Lord the old life that died was to finish that part of my life my existence now I'm moving into something else that's what the revelation of the revelation of the resurrection taught us what do you think that Jesus look Jesus died brutally on the cross and then he shook that off And he's letting you know you can shake it off. You can shake it off. That death that you're feeling, shake it off. Shake it off. You can go through it because of what Christ has already done. I know that there's situations that a lot of you are dealing with where you feel like you're going to die. You feel like your heart is being ripped out of your chest. You feel like your mind is being closed into darkness. And Jesus is saying... Shake it off. Go through it. As you give yourself over to the Lord and allow yourself to go through it, you'll be able to shake it off. You'll be able to rise again at the appointed time. You'll be able to walk in victory, walk in power. You will leave a legacy that makes a difference. So let the flesh die so that you can live. That's what the resurrection taught us. And I know sometimes it literally feels like I'm going to die. When I'm struggling with this thing that seems to have my whole life in its hands and God is saying, let it go, let it go, let it go. You don't need it anymore. You don't need idols. You don't need excuses. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let me break that thing from you because what's on the other side is new life. Once you have that new life, then you're living a real life. And once you're living a real life, then you are actually living in victory. Here's the day. Here's the time. This, don't let it go past you. Every year we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But aren't, aren't you tired of this pandemic death? Aren't you ready to shake it off? Aren't you tired of all of the debating, the fighting, the, the hostility? Isn't it time to shake it off just to let that stuff die? Whatever's going to be is going to be. But how long are we going to stay in this place? How long are we going to stay under this pressure, under this pain, under this doubt, under this worry? How long are we going to stay under it? When do we shake it off and say that's enough of that? Look, we, everybody that's, that's paying attention can see that the government falling apart. It cannot be trusted. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republic, Independent, Conservative, Liberal, whatever. Don't make no difference. The whole thing is falling apart. If you're paying attention, the whole thing is falling apart. But once you have gone through, 
once you have gotten to the place where you have been raised from the dead, you realize that this world is not in their hands. This world is in God's hands. And all the things that we're seeing, these things must be before the end comes. These things must be. But we know the end. We know where it's going to end for us. We know what it's going to look like. It